All right, everybody. It is Wednesday, November 24th, 1.04 p.m. And it's UVA week. It's hate week. We play the school up the road on Saturday. We'll show down for the Commonwealth Cup, 3.45 p.m. And it should be a lot of fun. Actually, that's just me saying that. I don't know if it's going to be that much fun. But before we get into it, we got a special guest today. We got a hokey haiku and we got to talk about the Main Street Pharmacy. So the Main Street Pharmacy, guys, head on down. Sons of Saturday is proudly presented by the Main Street Pharmacy. Dr. Lord, Jeremy Counts over there will treat you like a neighbor, not a number. He'll greet you with a smile. You know, you need some Pedialyte. You need some, uh, Bill, what else What else do you get at the uh, the pharmacy these days? I mean, I uh, a lot of people tell you you're not supposed to use Q-tips to clean your ears. I don't see any other reason for Q-tips to exist. Um, I clean my ears with Q-tips. Um, I encourage people to clean their ears with whatever receptacle they choose to use. And for me, Q-tips are easiest. So, um, you know, a lot of the, lot, you know, we always, we always rag on the frat guys, but that's usually the guy, that's usually the usual suspects. You got to have hand soap in your bathroom. Got to <laughs> clean your ears. You know, don't bite your fingernails off. Use nail clippers. You can get all of these essentials that mom and dad used to provide for you at Main Street Pharmacy. So that's where you should go. I feel personally attacked by the nail biting comment. I'm anxious. <laughs> yeah, both of you guys were biting your nails in section five this fall. Um, but anywho, shout out to Jeremy, Dr. Jeremy. Anywho, that's a pun. That's yeah. a pun. Anywho. <laughs> anywho. <laughs> that is a good pun. Um, all right. So we got a hooky haiku. Travis Die, gobble shots, tailgate. Was throwing some shots at UVA here in the haiku. I hate UVA. Arrogant, soft, Zima snobs. UVA, you suck. Dang, Travis pulling no punches this week on the Hokie Haiku. But uh, we're going to roll that right into our special guest. So our special guest, Ike. Who is Ike? Whose is Ike? Ike the professor. A lot of folks in Hokie Twitter know Ike. A lot of folks in who Twitter know Ike. Um, But Ike, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me on. Ike, I got to say, it's always... um, you know, whether people are being pot, we had a lot of people positively reacting to having you on the pod and some negative, but at the end of the day, if people know who you are, if people are reacting to you coming on the show, I think that's a net, I think that's a net positive. So uh, yeah, I, I got to say tips, tip my cap to the brand that you have built and the uh, dedicated fanhood coming from you. If you got haters, oh, you're doing something right, man. So that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> We're happy to have you on here. So before we kick it over to Hokey History, Ike would love a, a quick introduction. You know, who are you? Um, how long have you been a UVA fan? Uh, that kind of thing. Any background into your uh, your who fanhood would be appreciated here as it is rivalry week. Yeah, well, my actual my actual name is Isaac, but I, I've been going by Ike for years now. Just a nickname I got growing up. I'm from uh, Stanford, Virginia. It's about 30 minutes from Charlottesville. And for real, I've been a UVA fan for as long as I can remember, like. Ever since I was young, I just liked UVA and always rolled with them. Any particular reason? Family ties? Um... Nah, nobody's, nobody in my family goes to, uh, or has went to UVA. And it's funny because actually most of my friends have went to or go to Virginia Tech. So kind of the odd one. Just like, it, it seems that way on Twitter, right? It seems that way on Twitter. You know, you're hanging out with the Hokies more than you're hanging out with the Wahoos. Yeah, there's only like four of us, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 
So before we get into the game, do a little bit of hokey history here. As you guys know, heading into this weekend, uh, Virginia Tech has had the upper hand in the Commonwealth Clash, uh, taking 20 of the last 22 games from University of Virginia. Now, the last loss for Virginia Tech in Lane Stadium was actually, I believe, in 1997. We lost in Scott Stadium in 2019. So the rivalry has really been picking up, I would say, since uh, since 2012. Pretty much every single game since 2012 has come down to you know the last possession um, other than the 2016 game. And uh, 2019 was devastating. But just to kind of go back down memory lane here and talk about, you know, Ike, I'm sorry, this is a Virginia Tech podcast. We're going to talk about <laughs> some uh, some tough times for you. But uh, Bronco Mendenhall, Mike London, Al Groh all, you know, have losing records against Virginia Tech uh, when they were coaching at University of Virginia. Uh, we could talk about 2018 overtime in Lane Stadium, uh, big time fumble by uh by bryce perkins there uh, a game that we all thought was lost and then uh you know john laser the cup is going nowhere mikey uh 2016 one of my personal favorites that was senior day in lane stadium that was my last game as a student uh, at lane stadium 52 to 10 uh blowout big time game by sam rogers uh Motua Puaka had a had a defensive touchdown that game and just a ton of fun um was really a different time if you go back to November of 2016 we were winning the coastal we were going to the AC championship you know we had the belt bowl win obviously things have changed since then um 2015 was a big time win at Scott Stadium uh coach Beamer's last regular season game and last game at Scott Stadium uh to clinch a bowl game that was a fun one. Uh, you had the interception by Adonis Alexander to clinch the game. You had the uh, the big-time catch-and-run by Ryan Malik. You had Michael Brewer, touchdown pass to Isaiah Ford, uh, right in front of the uh, the hill. And then right after the game, all the Tech fans who were on the hill kind of rushed into the end zone, uh, which was kind of wild. Um, what's, what else we got on here? We got four, four or five more that I want to chat about real quick. 2012 was the time cop game where Mike London had some issues with knowing how many time uh, timeouts he had. Uh, that was kind of funny. 2011, 38 0, bro. Uh, Logan Thomas just completely demolishing uh, UVA in Scott Stadium. 2008 was a big time one uh, where Pernell Sturdivant, let's go, baby. You got to stop. <laughs> not, not Jason Worlds. Pernell Sturdivant had the, uh, the sack to clinch the game, and Bud Foster went sprinting down the sideline with his clipboard, flailing out there to uh, to clinch the Coastal. 2007 was a huge game. You had Tyrod, you had Chris Long, you had Sean Glennon, Eddie Jamil Royal. Sewell. Camille Sewell. Um, you know, that game was a ranked ranked matchup at Scott stadium for the coastal that game right there, other than 2019 was probably the, uh, you know, the highest profile game. I would say 2007, 2011 and 2019 were the three most hyped up tech UVA games over the past 15 years. Um, and then the last one I have written down here, dating back to 2005, you guys have seen it. Uh, Scott stadium, Either it was some Hokies who snuck in or some UVA students who were trying to motivate the team or what have you, but uh, spray painting a T next to the V on the field, one of the more epic rivalry week trolls of all time. 
Um, so there's your hokey history for you. And uh, we'll see how it goes on Saturday. But Ike, just general feedback, you know, from uh, from the past couple of years, any of those games sting a little more than others? What did you think of the uh, the troll job in 2005? I'm just, you know, want to hear your feedback from the uh, from the other side. Yeah, that troll job was pretty good. But the to be honest with you, I first started watching like Virginia, Virginia Tech was actually the 2017 because I really – like, you know, we lost to y'all every year, so I was like, I'm not watching this. But I, like, Bronco came along and started watching. And in 2018, I'm like, yo, this is our year. Like, Virginia Tech down year, like, this is our year to win it. So I was like, I'm going to go. And then, of course, the fumble happened, and it was, it was a wild day. Talk to us a little bit about 2019. Um, I'm not going to lie. I was probably more confident about winning that football game than I have been about winning a football game in a long, long time. Uh, what did that mean for the city of Charlottesville, for that fan base? Um, just kind of walk us through 2019 as well. Man, that year was fun because it was like Perkins came back and it was, you know, it was for the Coastal Championship and Charlottesville, like everybody was really, really happy about it. We finally got over the streak and stuff. And, you know, 2018, we thought if, if we couldn't win it that year, we'd never win again. Like we're cursed. But 2019, we did it. But I actually didn't even go to that game. I had to work. So that sucks. Well, respect. I missed, I missed out on that game, man. What are your uh, – and I guess the next question would be, what are your thoughts on kind of the – since you've been following the coaches that you've had? So through Grow, through Mike London, uh, and now Bronco Mendenhall. I've said multiple times I'm, a, I'm actually a Bronco Mendenhall truther. I'm, I, I, think he's, I think he's a phenomenal coach, does a good job with what he has. I uh, just want to kind of get your thoughts on the uh, Bronco Mendenhall uh, tenure so far uh, and how, how Virginia is feeling about Bronco Mendenhall. Because yeah, obviously me- we, you guys have a head coach. We currently have an interim head coach. So it's a little bit of a, a, a different situation than we're used to. Um, but I want to get your thoughts. Yeah, I love Bronco, man. I think he, he's done a great job so far, given what he was left by London and stuff. And that's not a knock on London because – he didn't really have control over some of his assistants at the time, but I think Bronco's done a good job. He's the guy that would work well at UVA. Like, obviously, we're not going to be getting a freeze or mulling or none of them. Like, Bronco was the right hire, and I, th- I think he's done a good job. So let's set the table a little bit. Um, one thing that stood out interesting to me is both of these teams – I mean, Virginia Tech has been one of the most inconsistent teams. I mean, ever since I got home – back uh back here everybody was like man like tech see you guys got rid of your coach i thought you guys were really good at the beginning of the year now you guys kind of suck i mean that's, that's if you're from new jersey and you don't follow tech football that's probably a pretty good synopsis of it um but one thing to remember too with tech fans everybody you know the big bad wolf and in, in virginia the one thing that i would point out is virginia scores a ton of points they go as far as brennan armstrong goes uva hasn't won a football game in a month it's been a month since UVA has won a football game. Um, I think there are a lot more question marks to this football game than people are acting like that there are. Um, I, I, I'd be curious kind of to know, uh, why don't you go ahead from the UVA standpoint and set the table here for us, uh, Ike, and then uh, we can set the table here for uh, from the tech perspective. Yeah, this season has kind of been disappointing because, you know, the talent's there, like on offense. Like if we just had an average defense, you know, we're looking – probably top 25, top 20 team this year. But, you know, the defense can never get off the field. And, you know, offense can only do so much. But 
it's kind of been disappointing, but I like the offense and stuff, and hopefully some changes might be made this year on the defensive side, scheme-wise. It's interesting what you just said. Like you, you said that like the defense can't get off the field and the offense can do so much. Uh, it's it's interesting. It's kind of like the flip for Virginia Tech. I feel like our defense is always on the field. And, uh, and, well, it's they they parallel both of the teams kind of parallel one another. It would just seem that UVA's offense is more talented than Virginia Tech's. Uh, so there's a lot, I think a lot of similarities between the teams. Uh, our defense is always on the field. Our offense is only but so productive. I, 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 in my opinion, I think UVA's offense is wildly more productive than than Virginia Tech's, and there's numbers to back that up. I don't um, think you would find anybody that disagrees. Yeah, with that. yeah no, I'm just saying. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. It's interesting to hear him say that. Like, yeah. you know, d- defense can't get off the field. I'm like, dude, Brennan Armstrong is he's sitting on. 4,044 passing yards. Yeah. Well, go back and watch, go back and watch that BYU game uh, that kicked off at 9 30 or 10 o'clock. Um, yeah. It's just a perfect kind of synopsis of, I, I think UVA was operating at the highest level offensively. And I correct me if I'm wrong, that's the highest I've ever seen a UVA offense operate up until he got injured. Um, and the defense just had no answer for BYU. Uh, the defense was incapable of making one or two stops that they needed to make. And it was the same thing against Pittsburgh. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's kind of, kind of is what it is. Uh, but let's go ahead and flip this over to the tech setting of the table. Uh, go ahead, Brayson. You know, Pat alluded to this earlier. This game has finally turned into a rivalry. It definitely feels that way. Uh, for the mass vast majority of everyone here's life, you know, Virginia tech obviously has completely dominated this game it feels like since 2018, you know, UVA's finally kind of caught up. Like Bronco Mendenhall has, has really gotten the guys there. Obviously, UVA's had two very talented quarterbacks in the last four years in Bryce Perkins and in Brennan Armstrong. Um, and whereas, like, Virginia Tech has been a little bit more stagnant, we haven't really had a defined quarterback. Uh, UVA is catching up. And, you know, I, th- I just think it's interesting that we used to play this game to go to the ACC championship. And now we're playing this game to try and make a bowl game. Uh, so time, time changes things. Streaks are made to be broken. The streak was broken in 2019. So uh, that's kind of where we're at. Uh, you know, it's, it sucks, but that's kind of where this, this rivalry's at. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not going to call it a changing of the guard. I don't think that's the appropriate term yet, but um, you know, Virginia, say Virginia wins this game on Saturday, uh, the seniors of Virginia Tech would have essentially been two and two against Virginia, but really we stole that 2018 game. Um, So it's definitely a different vibe over the past four seasons than it really has been over the past 15 plus years. Um, Knowing that Virginia is putting out more competent teams, that Virginia Tech's teams are less competent and uh, you know, we're in a completely different, um, different, you know, focus and state of mind right now, knowing that we're, we're, we're trotting out a coach who's an interim head coach who, by the way, is undefeated against Virginia as a head coach. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it's definitely, uh, changed up a little bit and Bronco is doing a good job. Um, not afraid to admit that. Yeah. So as we transition, uh, I, what we, what we'd love to do is, uh, bringing you in, obviously a lot more familiar with the UVA offense and defense, um, <laughs> 
if you were doing a self scout of the UVA offense, what would you, what would you say? Let's, let's start with the offensive side of the ball. Tell us a little bit about Virginia's offense. Really anybody, anybody can score. Anybody can get a first down. Our offense is like, it's deep in the wide receiver room. We can run, but we also don't need to run because, you know, we can score through the air so easy, but this is probably as far as I can remember, the best UVA offense I've ever seen. Like it's just it's so fun to watch. Even you would say that over the the 2018-2019 Bryce Perkins offenses? Yeah, just because of the weapons that Armstrong has this year. Sure. Jelani Beal running people over in the Pittsburgh game. It just doesn't look like your typical Virginia offense in general. Um if you had to say a couple of players who are maybe sliding under the radar or some players that if you don't watch them week to week that have been making a, a, a huge difference, we know about the wide receivers. We know about the quarterback, Brennan Armstrong, 4,044 yards passing, 30 touchdowns, protects the football, does a great job. Um, what are some other units on this team that you feel like are a strength? And what units do you feel like are a, uh, a little bit of a disadvantage or need some work? Um. I think the running back room is pretty solid, although, you know, we don't run the ball that much. But we, we have some pretty good dudes in there. We got Darrington. He's a transfer from Harvard. He runs really, really well, but he doesn't get that many touches. And then I'd say the weakest position right now is probably our defensive line or our defensive backs. Like, we just – like, 2018, we're getting pressure on the quarterback, getting turnovers, getting sacks. We're not getting any of that this year. So, I, let's, you know, before we turn over to – before we turn over uh, – to defense, what is your – what are you thinking about Brennan Armstrong this week? You feeling good about Brennan Armstrong? Is he close to 100%? I know he played last week. Um, have you heard anything about his health or his availability coming up on this? I would expect him to play. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's full go. He was actually ready for the Notre Dame game, but they were just like, let's just sit him because, you know, obviously you want to win every game, but with our situation, we didn't really need to win that game. So we sat him for Pitt and – he gave us plenty of chances to win, but, you know, that's how the game goes sometimes. Last last question before we move on to de- defense, Ike. Outside of Brennan Armstrong, who I think is just the most obvious answer, who would you say is the most dangerous weapon on UVA's offense? Like, who should we be worried about? Besides Wicks, I'm going to say Keaton Thompson, number 99. He plays wide receiver and running back, quarterback. He plays them all. He's a football player. He's a football player. I like football that. Football player. <laughs> Number okay. 99. Interesting. All right. So transitioning over to the defense, I'll say this too. It's very similar to 2019 where truth of the matter is UVA might have the best and most dynamic playmaker on the field going into this football game where Bryce Perkins was that player in 2019. And here we are in 2021. And I got to be honest. I wasn't on the Brennan Armstrong uh, Armstrong uh, bandwagon. He had the hangy earrings, the red hair. I'm like, nope, 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 no shot, no shot. I don't think this guy has a chance in the guy. Statistically, he's the best quarterback in the ACC. So um, they've developed him. He's done a great job um, and nothing, uh, nothing but respect for his game. Moving over to the defense, you mentioned the defensive line is kind of one of the weak spots. Um What's been the challenge there? Is it lack of depth? Is it the unit just not gotten any better? It's been one of the huge issues with Virginia Tech is just their inability to create pressure, their inability to uh, disrupt in the backfield and get TFLs. What's it been for Virginia? 
I'd say it's the same thing, man. Like, you know, if we're only rushing three, you know, the, the backers are up on the second level, you know, right as the ball is snapped. So, like, you're already getting four or five yards per play just just because we're running a three-man front. So, like, I like to, you know, run like a we, – we, we have switched it up recently, pit game, Notre Dame game. Uh, we've got some more pressure, and it's, it's been effective. So, hopefully we keep down more blitzes and pressures and all that this week. I'm looking at the kind of the depth. Uh, I and I it seems like UVA only has one senior uh, on your defensive line. It's Adib Atariwa. Hopefully, I didn't butcher that name. Followed by junior Aaron Faumi. I hope I pronounced that right. Sophomore Jameer Carter, and then freshman Bryce Carter. You know what we got to work on, G. When you say something that you're unsure of, if you say it with vindiction, people will just believe you. Well, you know what? You know what? I, I, I go I go back to Dale Jenkins, who used to fail kids if they misspelled names in papers. Dude, Dale ain't here. Dale ain't, ain't here, but you gotta you gotta maintain. It's it's ingrained in my mind. Shout out to Professor Jenkins. Uh, so yeah, let's. Senior Adib Atariwa, Vindiction. Boom. Aaron Faumi, Vindiction. Jameer Carter and Bryce Carter. This, those are too yeah. easy. Uh, lack of depth on the defensive line. Uh, I feel like that is a weak spot for the Wahoos. Uh, I, I did do some research. Elliot Brown, what, what do you think about him, Mike? 21 solo tackles on the season and a sack. He was a senior last year and used his extra year this year. And he, he really came back with a purpose. He, uh, he transformed his body. He got faster, stronger. He's made an impact this year. He's, he's, I think he's like our probably third best linebacker behind uh, Nick Jackson and Noah Taylor. But Elliott has definitely made an impact this year. That I think we definitely benefited from him coming back another year. So I looked up the uh, the ACC statistics. Um, no surprise here. Virginia Tech uh, ninth in the ACC in terms of getting sacks. Virginia is fourteenth. Uh, so it's two teams that just don't pressure the quarterback. Uh, moving on from that, you and I talked before the season started. Uh, I believe it was before the season started, maybe after the UNC game in a space. Um, and I was most confident in our receiver's ability, and you were most confident in the defensive backs unit, both of which have granted underperformed <laughs> this season. So what's going on in the University of Virginia backfield? Um, and how confident are you going into this matchup uh, to hold up against this passing attack, which has, granted, not been that great this year? Um, you know, I don't even know. The past few weeks, defensive bats have done good. They've just given up some really big plays, and obviously they've cost us a few games, but they've gotten better as the season went along. Our best defensive back right now is Cypress. He's actually out, and I think he's out for the year. So that kind of stung, and then we had – a. North Dakota State transfer Josh Hayes come in. You know, we I liked his stats, his film, and then he transferred out. I think he had a personal issue or whatever. So it's kind of – it's had some injuries and stuff, but it's definitely not as been as good as I thought it would be. Moving on to special teams, man. Uh, I think it's worth noting that UVA's junior kicker, Hunter Pearson, is y'all's backup place kicker. Only has a career long of 28 yards. He's 100% on his field goals, two for two on the season – and 100% on extra points kicked. Does that concern you at all if this game comes down to the wire, uh, having your backup place kicker in there? No, nah, actually, I'm kind of – I'm actually okay with the kicking game. It's Brendan Farrell. He's another backup because Dunkel went out. And Farrell actually broke the rock uh, – I think it was Miami game. He, he won that game for us. He kicked like three or four field goals. So, kicking, I'm not really that concerned about. But what I am worried about 
his kick, uh, like defending the kickoff, like Tavion Robinson and stuff. He's he might have a big day this Saturday. Is y'all's punt coverage statistically bad, or is is that just a concern out of Tavion Robinson's sheer talent? Uh, a little bit of both. Past few years, we've had a pretty good punt team, and this year we have a good punter, but it's just we're either giving up too many long returns or that's usually what it is, actually, is too many long returns. Gives them great field position. Got it. Moving right along to uh, – Ike, I got to tell you, the letter the, – the trip to the mailbox this week was um, – was pretty significant. We had a significant haul from the mailbox this week. Uh, letters from lunch pail. Um, starting off with Al Jones, who submitted uh, one, two, three, four, five questions. So <laughs> we're going to split this one up. Uh, if it makes sense for us to answer any of them, we'll jump in. But Ike, you can kick it off. And uh, Grayson, why don't you go ahead and get to the first, <laughs> the first couple of questions that Al had for us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Al Jones says, Ike, I enjoy the passion for your team and rivalry. What do you think UVA has to do to get its third win versus Virginia Tech in your lifetime? Damn, shots fired. I'd say get at least four to five stops. That's all we need. Just get the offense off, get our defense off the field a few times, and I think we'll give Armstrong, Armstrong, Armstrong a good chance to win this game. But they got to get stops. If that's all it takes, I, I can promise you that our offense will will punt the ball at least three or four times. So if that's all it takes, and you, then you're in pretty you're in pretty good hands. Things are looking real a, good. We do have a really we have a really good punter though. So uh so watch out. Yeah, our, our fourth down quarterback's really good. Uh question number two from Al Jones. Which VT loss has hurt the most and why? Definitely that 2018 one, because I thought we was gonna win it all, or not win it all, but you know, win the cup that year. And that's when I went down to Virginia Tech that year. Nice, nice visit at Lane Stadium, but wasn't the result I wanted. That one definitely hurt. Uh, question: Did you enjoy the 2003 win when you were four, or in two th- or the th- 2019 win more, and why? I don't even remember the 2003 one. <laughs> Just the 2019 one. Al's pulling out all the. Uh, is pulling no punches here. Uh, <laughs> what actually made you a UVA fan? Since you're such a big football guy. Now that I guess I guess I can reword that as is there any way why not Virginia Tech basketball, <laughs> that the basketball team's success can give you as much joy as you would get from football success? Yeah, I'd say that's true. I, to be honest with you, I probably like basketball more than football, but I understand football more than basketball. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I understand the X's and O's of football, but basketball like I don't know any plays or stuff I just enjoy watching them more so the basketball success is definitely nice and stuff that's probably the first sport I started watching UVA again was like when they had Singletary and Landisburg and all them that's when I first like really started getting to UVA sports Sylvan Landisburg he was very 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 talented um last question from Al currently Bronco is 11 and 10 over his last two seasons is Bronco on the hot seat in 2022 only if he loses this week because this is a prime opportunity to, all right, we have the better team right now, go out and win the game. Like, there's no reason why we should be losing this game this week. And I love Bronco, but there will definitely have to be conversations made if we lose this week. Question from Diablo fan account. Hey, Ike, uh, what are some of your best memories as a Virginia Tech fan? (laughs) (laughs) 
we can just move past that one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The Diddler, dear Ike, your friend Diddler here, who would you choose to hire as VT's new head coach? Which coach would make UVA fans the most nervous? The one that would make me the most nervous is Hugh Freeze. And obviously that's not going to happen. And I'm so glad. Because would Freeze would be the second most nervous. <laughs> probably Freeman or Huff, because Freeman is okay. such a good recruiter. Um, John LaRock for Ike. How long until you officially transfer fanhoods? Man, I've been through so much I can never switch. <laughs> <laughs> there is much- I've been through every type of pain as a UBA fan, man. I can never switch. Much respect to that one. Uh, from VT Joe Rogers, uh, dear Ike, your best friend Joe here. When did you start engaging with the Hokie fan base, and who is your least favorite and most favorite member of Hokie Twitter? I think I got into the VT Twitter scene or whatever. I think it was a little bit after the 2019 game, and that was when RVA, who was uh, talking with a few people, and then I, you know, just started chatting and stuff, and everybody was cool and accepting and stuff so i just kind of made some friends and kind of took off from there i think it was right after the 2019 game and my i'm not gonna say who my least favorite is because i'm not here to you know spread negativity or whatever and i i pretty much try like everybody like that okay (laughs) yeah i try to like everybody man if if somebody don't like me that's kind of on them i try like everybody who are some of your favorite members of hokey twitter you get you can do like a few Man, uh, no, uh, Notorious Troel Embiid, the uh, Troll Kid, man, that's a really good dude. <laughs> that is a really good dude, man. Uh, him, uh, Tally Bands, JT, he's yeah. a real, he's a real good dude. Uh, Joe Rogers, of course, my boy. And uh, I love John, John LaRocu or LaRock. I forget, I don't know how LaRocu. to LaRocu. LaRocu. Yeah, whatever his name is. I, I love that dude, man. <laughs> John LaRocu. It's, it's definitely. Yeah, it's definitely LaRoque. I think we've always just been saying LaRock, and we're just like, we, we just got to keep saying LaRock. We rock with LaRock. <laughs> Rocking with LaRock. Last one comes from Brian Sigler. I want to know who at who was like has on his UVA football Mount Rushmore. This was a great question, and I was looking forward to answering this one. So I'm a, apparently Bill Dudley is like the UVA GOAT, but that was way before I was born, never watched any of his highlights. So I don't know, but I'm going to just go off people like, I know of, know about, or like, you know, done research on. Got to go Sean Moore, the quarterback in 1990 with Herman Moore. You know, that was, that was a really good quarterback. I'm going to put uh, Slade on there, defensive end. I think he still holds the ACC record for sacks, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I got to go with Quinn Blanding. I know he never beat Tech, but Quinn Blanding was very, very good. Three-time All-ACC, All-American, ACC freshman of the year, all of it. He was amazing. And then my fourth person. Oh man, that's that's tough. You almost have to put Bryce Perkins on there. I have I have three names in my head. I'm interested to see which one you pick. Bryce Perkins. So you could have gone one of three directions here. You could have gone a barber brother, Chris Long, or Bryce Perkins. Mm. What about uh, the Brigashaw Ferguson? <laughs> Actually, you gotta put Chris Long up there. I don't even know how that even slipped my mind, man. <laughs> got to put Chris Long in there. Substitute him with uh, – with, oh, man, that's tough. I'd probably substitute him with uh, Ricky Slade, I think. Can I ask – let me ask you uh, – here's my letter for the lunch pail that I have. 
Um, I have one too after this. Been, okay. Uh, a, a conversation that we've been having uh, amongst ourselves and, and on the podcast and kind of as a fan base is what is the expectation? What is the goal? What is, what do we expect Virginia tech football to be and accomplish? Um, I want to ask you the same question. I want to ask you, what do you expect the university of Virginia to strive for and accomplish? Um, how do you measure that? How do you measure success at the university of Virginia when it comes to football? I definitely say Virginia tech is easier to succeed at in football than UVA, but my expectation is nine to 10 wins, you know, during the year, ACC championship game, go to a good bowl game and beat tech. Like, I don't want to be just bowl eligible and beat tech. Like, that's not my goals. Like, that's, that's settling for less. And that's not what I want. Like, if we don't beat tech this year, I don't care anything about the bowl game. It won't matter. Okay. I have my own letter from the lunch pill as well. Um, if you could change one thing about UVA and or its fan base, what would you change? Uh, for people to stop complaining. For the UVA Twitter fan base, man. People don't realize, like, how bad we were and where Bronco has us now. Like, we've definitely improved over the last couple of years under him, like, I mean, shoot, his first year we won two games. And we were like, is this really the dude we want? And, you know, we stuck it out, went through it, improved every year. And it's been look, been looking promising, but still definitely still got some work to do. So would you say that regardless of the result on Saturday, you are on the Bronco train, you believe he's the right guy for the job? Correct. Okay. But also – I feel even if we even if we do beat y'all and we do go into win our bowl game, I think this year has still been a letdown, just because of the defense hasn't, you know, held up at all. Like if we just had an average defense, we'd be okay. But it's been tough. But I've enjoyed it. Moving on to the second to last part of our podcast, it is time for score predictions, which I am still trying to figure out in my head right now. Um, <laughs> So we'll start with Grayson. Grayson, go ahead and give us your score prediction. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll put it this way, y'all. I'm never excited for this game. I'm like, This game always makes me nervous. It's the only game that I'm on my feet pretty much the entire time. Uh, I'm a nervous wreck until there's three zeros left on the clock. Um, you know, we've talked about how UVA is coming off three losses. Well, we played Boston College this year when they were coming off three losses. We love to, to give schools these, these you know, breakaways out of these losing slumps. Um, bottom line is this, y'all. UVA is a better football team than Virginia Tech in 2021. Brennan Armstrong's a beast, sitting on over 4,000 passing yards, 30 touchdowns, only has nine interceptions. Uh, Wick is a hell of a receiver. I just think – that we won't be able to stop them. Our defense has had – we saw this against Miami. Uh, they have a hard time wrapping up. They're inconsistent down the stretch. I think if UVA goes up first, uh, which is, in my opinion, very likely, I think we're in for it. And what I fear the most is that this is the first time in my 26 years on this planet where we are actually going to get blown out uh, by UVA. I just think it's we're due for it. Uh, and they have the offense this year to do it. So with that being said, we're in Charlottesville, Brennan Armstrong. They're going to be hyped up. We're kind of on this down year. Wahoo's 45 to 17. Oh, ouch. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll take it next here. 
what we are facing on Saturday is kind of parallel to the offensive numbers and the offensive production that we thought Sam Howell was going to put up in that first game. Uh, We've played some talented quarterbacks this year, um, but Brennan Armstrong is, you know, second in the country right now, uh, as far as passing yards per game, the dude is just unbelievable. He could run the ball. He, he creates big plays, whether it's, you know, his 30 yard rush for a touchdown last week, or just throwing 40, 50, 60 yard bombs uh, to his receivers. I think we're going to have a lot of trouble um, containing him. I think he's going to be on the field all game. Like Kenny Pickett was um, against Pittsburgh in mid October. And uh, unfortunately we don't have the offensive firepower to keep up. I mean, just look at last game against Miami. Um, You know, Van Dyke just completely carved us up. And unfortunately I think it's going to happen again. Um, But I do, I do somehow think we're going to keep it competitive uh, I'm predicting 38 to 28 uh, Virginia, unfortunately, on Saturday. I think it's the first time in my life I've predicted UVA to beat Tech. Yeah, uh, this might be the first time uh, we're all picking us to not win. Um, I guess it's a call out. I would love to be proven wrong. Um, I think these teams both, you don't know what you're going to get. Uh, you always, it's, it's been a really good rivalry these last couple of years. I know it means a lot to these seniors. Uh, I know this Virginia tech team has been through a lot. I've just seen more consistency on the offensive side of the football with UVA than I've seen on any side of the football with Virginia tech. Um, I'm going 31, 17 Virginia, uh, to win in Charlottesville. Um, that's how, that's how I see it playing out. Would love to be proven. Otherwise, I think, you know, I feel like our wide receivers played the best game of their season last year, winning 50-50 balls. I wonder how much we're going to see Daywan Lofton, how much we're going to see Jalen Jones, Trey Turner, how healthy is he, and who's going to play quarterback as well. Um, and then aside from that, what version of our defense is going to show up to this football game? And Malachi Thomas, are we going to get Raheem Blackshear the ball? I have no idea. I, I just I don't know what to expect this for this team. I have no idea what to expect from our team. I know that UVA is going to show up and score points. I know that that's going to happen as long as Brendan Armstrong is lining up under center. So I'm going 31-17, 31-21-ish uh, UVA. Uh, that's a prediction for me. Ike, it's your turn. Yeah, my prediction is actually almost the same as Grayson's. I got 48-24 to 24 this year. Uh, I just think y'all's offense just can't keep up this. Y'all's defense will, you know, maybe slow us down a few possessions, but at the end of the day, you got to score points. And I, th- I think UVA does that the best right now. And I got to set 48-24. I think it's, I think it's worth noting, Ike. I mean, I've, we've talked about this. Armstrong's 4,044 passing yards versus Braxton Burmeister's 1,819 passing yards and 13 touchdowns. I mean, it just shows the complete lopsidedness of the offensive productivity uh, and yeah, got to score points to win the game. And I think UVA is going to do a lot of that on Saturday. So not looking forward to it. Currently UVA sits the seven point favorites uh, at home. We're going to be there. Ike, you going to be there? Yeah, I am bro. Ike, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll bump into you. Looking forward to it. Uh, and then this is your time. It's time for Sharky shoutouts. First and foremost to kick off Sharky shoutouts, our guy, Pat Finn, Turned 23 years old today. We're fired up. Pat Finn, happy birthday. Didn't turn 23. 
we can't even it's not even cool to make like lower age jokes because we're not that old to begin with but happy birthday pat finn um love you thank you and uh you look great he's pat finn's rocking peter millar with a button up unbuttoned a couple buttons unbuttoned we're showing showing off showing off those uh those uh chesticles but uh happy birthday pat we love you <laughs> happy birthday buddy thank you happy birthday man thank you thank you guys uh yeah shout out to you guys ike shout out to you for coming on ton of fun um looking forward to saturday win lose or draw <laughs> i guess you can't draw in college football but um looking forward to just going to charlottesville and having fun that's really kind of how i've set my expectations that's how i set my expectations before this football season started to be honest with you um i did think we would win more than five games but I also did say I was going to show up and have fun with my family and friends. And uh, there's going to be no shortage of that on Saturday. I know uh, dozens of folks who are going to Charlottesville uh, who always make that trip and uh, I will be there as well. Um, and then Bill, I know we're uh, hitting the, uh, the Memphis game tonight at Barclays. So that should be a good, a good time as well, but uh, shout out to everyone out there listening. Hope everyone has a fantastic Thanksgiving and uh, get some hokey wins here this week. Yeah, I'll go ahead and shout out my uh, my mom, my dad, my two brothers. This is my third Thanksgiving not being at home, uh, being out here in California. I miss you guys. Uh, I'll FaceTime you guys tomorrow, and uh, we'll we'll chat it up. I uh, love you all very, very much. That's pretty much it for me. Uh, hope everybody has a thing, happy Thanksgiving. If y'all see me at the game, come up and say hi, take a picture, maybe drink a beer, even though I don't drink like that because Notre Dame game got a little too lit, man. <laughs> not even man, drink that much man needs a breather take five yeah. man <laughs> ike since we reached the end of the football portion of the podcast i have to sneak this in where's your confidence meter on the uva virginia tech rivalry on the hardwood what do you think of virginia tech basketball and what do you think of virginia basketball so far this year virginia tech basketball i'm putting this on record can win the acc this year Okay. Virginia Tech basketball is very good, man. They're very good. They're deep. They got they can shoot. They got athleticism, length. They got everything. And I got y'all probably going to about the Elite Eight, maybe Sweet Hits team. Woo! Woo. Damn, yeah. Praise. That'd be fun. And then give us a quick synopsis. I know UVA stumbled out of the gate against Navy this year. Um, struggled versus Houston. Again, it comes down, what it comes down to at the end of the day is somebody's got to score points. Um, you guys are going to play lead defense, what you do. Um, so what needs, what do you need to see improve from Hokey, uh, from Hokey, from who's hoops? <laughs> uh, just some more consistent shooting on the outside. I think this is probably Tony Bennett's best defensive team. And I think it showed against Providence, you know, we had a really good game and, uh, but the offense, we just need more people to step up. We have the players, but I've kind of accepted that this year is it's finally a down year. You know, we got a top 10 class coming in next year. We'll, we'll have better people, but. We got good players on this team. It's just it's a really new team, and I don't know. Still early in the season. We'll see what happens. Commonwealth Cup football version is this Saturday. Virginia Tech travels to Virginia on January 12th, and then we have Virginia traveling to Virginia Tech on February 14th. Ike, you are a gentleman and a scholar. We appreciate your time, and may the best football team win on Saturday. Yes, sir. Thank you all for having me on.
What's up, sons and daughters? It's Sam Jesse, and I am back with a crew member of the Locks of Saturday, Robert Irby. Robert, we are on Thanksgiving Eve. Some people call it Blackout Wednesday. How are you doing, Robert? I'm doing great. Yeah, holding down the fort on behalf of the rest of the sons. This is a great time. Just me and Sam. It's Love it's a it. great it's a great time of year too. We got college basketball on, uh, Hokies and Tigers about to tip off at nine thirty, about an hour and a half here. We're gonna talk some feast week college football. Now this is a big week in college football every single year. Rivalry games, conferences being decided, championship matchups. Who's going to be in the final four? We are very, very, very much Cincinnati Bearcats fans on this podcast. They have a big game coming up. Um, they will have a uh, AAC championship game against Houston coming up as well. Got to get past the ECU Pirates, though, first this weekend. And so, they yeah. have ruined my hopes and dreams before, those ECU Pirates. They really have. Not, not good memories of watching East Carolina football. Well, we'll go over the standings real quick before we get into the bedlam game between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Yours truly, still in first place at 32 and 23 off of a three and two week. Robert, you're right behind me, tied for second with Brett at 30 and 25, coming off two and three weeks. Mike is in fourth place at 28 and 27. Chris is behind him at 25 and 30, and Ed, 23 and 30. Two. All right. Let's get let's get this show on the road. Let's do it. You know, I chose to start with Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, not because it's the biggest game, quote. Obviously, it has national implications for Oklahoma State, a team that could sneak into the playoff if there's some chaos out there. But because this game, I think, represents so much about what's fun about looking at college football through a betting lens, because this game is complete chaos every single year. And it's wonderful. This year will be no different. 7.30 at night, Oklahoma State at night, the sky doesn't get blacker than it does in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Game at 7.30 on ABC. The over-under is a surprisingly low 50 and a half. We'll go over why it's so low. Irby, I'll have you just start this one out. The Pokes and the Sooners. You know, I really go back and forth. I think... Oklahoma has kind of tried to suck me into their trap all year where despite their poor play, I keep wanting to pick them. Um, and I think especially if you look at Oklahoma State, they just don't really have a strong history when it comes to um, winning these big games on the big stage because now, I mean, the spotlight is on them now. They are the front runners in the Big 12. They're number seven in the country. Everyone is talking about them as a playoff sleeper like this is the time where they're no longer flying under the radar and can Mike Gundy and his squad actually, you know, be up to the challenge. Um, I'm really, really tempted to take Oklahoma here, but I think that Oklahoma's play has just been so subpar. Um, I, I I'm kind of past the point of expecting them to turn it around. You know, it, it's just been, it's been a tumultuous time trying to, pick Oklahoma and have them actually perform well. You know, I had that plus 800 Oklahoma to win the national championship bet out there. I think that that's just dead and gone. Um, yeah. So even though there's a four and a half point spread here, I think Oklahoma state at home, them, this game being in Stillwater, I think makes a huge difference. Um, Spencer Sanders has improved a lot this year. And I think, 
I think Oklahoma State will get it done here, and I think they win this game by about a touchdown. Oklahoma State, we'll just go through some against the spread numbers. The Cowboys are 9-0 and against the spread in their last nine games. And they have been a sneaky good team this year, and it's because of their defense. We'll get to their defense in a sec, but we talked about how this matchup has is just craziness. Last 10 games, Oklahoma has 8-2 and two record in those last 10 games. However, against the spread, the Sooners are only 6-4. and four. So we're looking at a game that is a bit more competitive against the spread than it is straight up. But again, I think this is a year where Oklahoma State is probably the better football team than Oklahoma. And it's because of that defense. This is not a classic Mike Gundy offense. They're not going to score 50-plus on you. This is a team that runs the ball and plays great defense. And when I mean great, I mean probably second to Georgia in major college football in terms of total defense. Let's go over some advanced stats. I'm going to throw numbers at you. They'll be pretty easy to understand, Robert. You know why? Why? Because they're number one in everything. They're number one in EPA <laughs> per pass. They're number one in EPA per rush. They're number one in echo rate, which is uh, you know quality drive. So defensively, quality time every time they're on the field. Number three in field position. Number one in early downs EPA. So that's on first and second down. They're number one in third and fourth down defense. They're number one in defensive success rate. This advanced analytics, they're a better defense than Georgia. I think mano y mano, they don't have the talent Georgia does, but this defense is as dominant as you can get in major college football, especially playing modern Big 12 offenses that like to throw the ball, like to score points. Oklahoma State has completely flipped the narrative. And I don't see Caleb Williams, a freshman quarterback, going into Stillwater at night and being able to score against this defense. I can't believe I'm saying that, that I don't believe Oklahoma can score on Oklahoma State. But here we are. I have the Cowboys in this one. And I think I think the committee is going to have a really tough decision on their hands because I'm not positive of this, but this will be the uh, Big 12 championship game. Correct? More than likely, yeah. So, I mean, two wins against Oklahoma and you only have one loss and your one loss was to Baylor? I don't know, man. I don't, that's a, that's a darn good resume. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean the path that you, you lay out, it's basically Oklahoma state's at seven. Now you have number one and number three have to play each other, Alabama and Georgia, number two and number five have to play each other, Ohio state, and Michigan. That's two teams that can get bounced out. And I mean, what's left is you have this argument of Oklahoma state and Notre Dame. Yeah, Oklahoma and I, State might probably would have the better resume in that scenario, right? As a college champion, I was mistaken. They actually beat Baylor, who's still ranked in the college football playoff top twenty-five. Their loss was at Iowa State, a team we were mm. talking about before off-air. So, still, I mean, this is a team that has been phenomenal. They have wins against ranked Kansas State, ranked Baylor at Boise State. You add the TCU, that's a good win. If you add Oklahoma twice, that's a resume yeah. there. That's a resume. They've done their job. Now I'll flip this though. Let's say Oklahoma wins this game and they beat Oklahoma State again next week. Can you make that same argument in the reverse where Oklahoma's one loss is actually to Baylor? You know, could you? Yes, if you 
do team A versus team B, like in March Madness, where you don't see them. Right. But right. I think for me, nationally, people have been so down on Oklahoma for a while now mm-hmm. that they don't look impressive enough. I mean, just looking at their schedule right here, these were all in consecutive weeks. Seven-point win against Nebraska, three-point win against West Virginia, six-point win against Kansas State. It took a miracle for them to beat Texas. I mean, those are four decent to bad football teams. Then they take care of TCU. They sneak out of Lawrence and beat Kansas. I mean, this is not a team that has been beating up on other teams on a week in-conference schedule, whereas Oklahoma State has. So I just think the national perception is they're going down. I don't think there's enough games for them to get it back. Because if they do beat Oklahoma State twice in a row, the narrative is then, oh, Oklahoma State wasn't as good as we thought. Right, right. Mm -hmm. That's basically the same big win twice. And I think that makes sense. Um, I think I agree with you there. I think that the the committee has already proven that they don't necessarily respect Oklahoma that much um, with them being ranked number eight when they were undefeated. Like that's, that's pretty clear that they have never really been impressed with Oklahoma's body of work and two wins over the same team. I don't really think would get them over that hump, especially with Notre Dame, uh, kind of looming there with a, you know, a pretty much assumed win over Stanford inbound this Saturday. So, yep. Yep. They, they better win that one. Stanford is atrocious. So yeah, we're both on the pokes on that one. Uh, we'll see as we get the other picks in. Be sure to check out the article that will be attached with the podcast on sonsofsaturday.com that will have our scoreboard as well as everyone's game picks for this week. Let's move on to another in-state rivalry, one of the best games all, all season, the Platypus Bowl. The Oregon State Beavers are plus seven at the Oregon Ducks. Last week, Robert, my Pac-12 after dark game of the year, Oregon State plus three. I was on this show. What did I say? Multiple scores. Oregon State would win that game outright by multiple scores. What did they do? They won that game outright by multiple scores. They led the entire way. It's not going to happen this week. Uh, It's not going to happen this week. And here's why. Oregon State's a team that wants to kind of beat you up up front. They want to run the ball on you. However, they are not a very good defensive team. They're not a very good defensive tackling team. And I also don't think they're a very good team away from home. Oregon State has won their last seven games at home. That's where a lot of their success has come. They actually went 6-0 and at home this year. I don't think it's going to happen on the road for them. They are, however, seven and three against the spread in their last 10, whereas the Oregon Ducks are five and 11 against the spread in their last 16. We've talked about Oregon being a bad team against the spread throughout the year. And and this is a matchup that Oregon State has done well against the spread. They're four and two against the spread in their last six versus Oregon. However, I talked about the Oregon State defense. It's not up to snuff. You could see it against the athletes from Arizona State, and you're going to see it against the athletes from Arizona, um, from Oregon, excuse me, this weekend. Both teams, not great defensively. They're actually tied number 116 in the country on PFF for tackling. But Oregon State, Oregon, excuse me, makes up for that with talented secondary and the best pass rusher in the country in Kayvon Thibodeau. Oregon State does not. They're number 94 in total defense on PFF. And I I just, 
it's been a great season for Oregon State. They're going to go to a bowl game. They're a very deserving team. But I think Oregon just plays with too much spunk and too much energy at home. I think they're going to pull away late. I think this is a game where with a limited pass rush, you can see Anthony Brown feel a little bit more comfortable, hit some big passes on play action where he usually doesn't have the time to. I think this is a game that that is close, 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 and then all of a sudden Oregon's up 17 points. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think the point you really hit on was uh, Oregon State is a much different team in Corvallis versus away. Um, in fact, they only have one conference win away from home this year. And that was against Southern Cal in September. And as we all know, USC is an absolute disaster. But I mean, they have lost to Washington State on the road. They have lost to Cal on the road and Colorado on the road. Those are three bad losses. Um, I mean, I, I just don't really see it here for Oregon State. They're just so hit and miss. Um, I think that they're building something there. I think that having seven wins this year, you know, going seven and five, I think is a pretty successful year considering where they were last year and whatnot. But this is kind of one of those younger teams that's still kind of getting their footing. Um, they're going to win games at home. They're going to lose them on the road. That's just what young teams do. And Oregon, I think we kind of see how things normally go for Oregon is they build up all this hype. They absolutely shoot themselves in the foot as they did last week. And then they usually find a way to recover and they usually finish at like what, 10 and three, something like that. And so I think this is, this is kind of their get back game. Um, they'll win this game. They'll probably go into a rematch with Utah fired up and ready to, um, you know, avenge that. And yeah, I think Anthony Brown will be pretty comfortable here. Oregon state doesn't really have a strong defense. Um, I think they'll give him a lot of opportunities to use his legs and, run some play action. And yeah, I think the ducks win the game here. And I think the value also lies in Oregon with the seven point spread, because I think the likelihood of a push is also there. Um, and I mean, if the worst case is you get your money back, you get your money back, you know? Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of, you can tease that line seven, no matter which way you're feeling. I, I think if you're going to tease it from seven, if you want to tease it in favor, uh, if you want to bring that number, down, I would think about going to six instead of six and a half, because as we saw a lot last year and we see this year, the team goes for two. If they're down 14 score touchdown, they're going to go for two. That makes it a six point game. That's something that you kind of have to think about for a game like this. I didn't give over the specs for this game. My apologies. It will be on ESPN at three 30. So a bit earlier of a kickoff there in Eugene over under 61. I love the over. I would hammer that over. These are two teams that run the ball. Well, that don't tackle well. I love the over. And if we talk about this game, I have to shout out that last year's game with in Corvallis in the fog with Oregon in their all neon yellow in Oregon state and all orange was the most beautiful football game that I have ever seen. It is no kidding. Top five YouTube highlights of it. And it will make you smile. It'll, it'll brighten up any family Thanksgiving that you have. Yeah, you got to have a, a good color contrast. And, and these are two teams that hate each other. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't we don't think about it here on the East Coast, but these two schools hate each other. It gets nasty, so it'll be a fun one regardless. 
you know, I know of a couple other schools that kind of hate each other. And as a former Ohioan, um, it is hate week to the max up there. The big game is what they call it up in the Midwest. And it is Ohio State minus eight in the big house at Michigan. Big noon Saturday on Fox. The over-under for this one is a pretty high, 64 and a half. Now, we talked about playoff implications. I I don't think there has been a... There have been games like this in every year, but this really feels like a you win and you're in to the college football playoff, barring a crazy upset in the Big Ten championship game. Yep, I would definitely definitely agree with that and i guess maybe uh we can when you're talking coaching earlier talking before harbaugh i don't think he's on the hot seat anymore but is can we we talk about this in nba basketball is this a legacy game for jim harbaugh like does he need to win this one because if he doesn't win this one the hot seat conversation will always be around him. It will never go away. He wins this one. It's done. Like he's, he's the Michigan head football coach until he is dead. And maybe after that as well, if he wins this game. Mm. Yeah. To, to continue that NBA analogy, is he the Scott Brooks of college football on the OKC thunder just could never take the thunder to the next level, despite having Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, James Harden. I, I, he, he might be, and this is a really talented Michigan team. I don't think people know a lot of the names. Obviously, you know, Blake Corum, who a former Virginia tech commit at running back Blake Corum, who's been in the Heisman race. He's a guy, you know, uh, they're very good on the defensive line, but I just think Michigan has, they've been playing really good football all season long. It really just took a miracle comeback from Michigan State to beat them. Uh, I, I think this is a much more even matchup than what people think. Statistically, and if you look at advanced analytics and you look at these models, this is a much, much closer game than anything Ohio State has played since Oregon. Yeah, and that's probably true. I think that that, that more boils down to um, kind of the state of the Big Ten, but I mean, yeah, Oregon was by far the toughest test that Ohio State's faced all year, and um, Michigan will be the next on that. But I think what sets Ohio State apart here for me and makes this eight-point spread more than worth it, even on the road, two things. Number one, Ohio State has just had Michigan's number, more specifically Jim Harbaugh's number. I mean, I don't know what specifically Ohio State's win streak is at. It's I know it's over a dozen, right? It's at a lot. It yeah. feels like forever. Yes, and Harbaugh's never won against Ohio State. But more importantly, I think last week, um, leading into that Ohio State-Michigan State game, I talked a lot about Ohio State's rush defense and how it has improved significantly since the defensive play calling has changed. And I said... Ohio State, it's going to stop the run. And that's what Michigan State likes to do through Kenneth Walker. Well, Kenneth Walker last week had 25 yards. And, I mean, Ohio State just has a vicious, vicious run defense. They are so strong up front. They've improved significantly from the beginning of the year. And Michigan, you mentioned Blake Corum. They also have Hassan Haskins. 
those are two very, very strong backs, but their offense really flows through those two guys, opening up the opportunities for Cade McNamara um, to kind of run the play action and to be more of a game manager. I, I just can't see um, this game being put on the shoulders of Cade McNamara and it working out well for Michigan. Exactly. And you know what, Michigan, if they have a chance in this game, was the only team to beat Ohio State and not only give them trouble, but almost run them off the field was Oregon. And mm-hmm. Oregon and Michigan, again, I can't believe I'm saying this. I talked about Oklahoma State has good defense. Are you ready for this? Oregon and Michigan are very similar teams this year. Mm. Good, hard-nosed defensive line that likes to rush the passer. And then offensively, it's power running. It's run up the middle, run between the tackles, use play action. They're not going to beat Ohio State with elite quarterback play. It's, it's not going to happen. How you're going to beat Ohio State is by run, 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 play action pass because they're susceptible at the back, but you have to get that doubt in their head throughout the game. That's what Oregon was able to do. Michigan has the roster makeup to be able to do that. The issue is uh, I think Ohio State could probably score 60 in this game again. Like that offense looks unstoppable. And I I have a hard time betting against that offense right now. I'm going to go with Ohio State minus eight. I feel pretty good about it. Michigan has the blueprint though, and they have the guys to do it. I don't know if Harbaugh is going to put them in position to do it. And I also think this is a very different Ohio State team than the team that lost to Oregon. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's kind of the difference, right? Is with Oregon, that was CJ Stroud in his second start. Yep. Right now, this is CJ Stroud in his 12th start. He is now the Heisman front runner. And, you know, he's putting up the numbers to earn it. And he is, he has these insane, insane weapons. And honestly, if CJ Stroud wins the Heisman, it's more of a, it should be an award that's handed to the wide receiver room. The Ohio State uh, offense wins the Heisman trophy. Yes. Yes. Because, yeah. I mean, you've got Smith and Jigba and, Alave, like, I mean, they have three receivers that are probably better than receivers at 99% of schools. Yep. Like this offense, I just don't see Michigan stopping it. Travion Henderson has been unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, CJ Stroud's just going to pick them apart. And I think that, I think that I still like the under, um, but I don't know. I, I still like Ohio State to win by a pretty good margin here. Um, it is kind of funny that if you look at two of our counterparts here who weren't able to be with us tonight, Chris Himes said that Michigan would be his mortal lock of the week. Brett said that Ohio State is his lock of the year. Uh, we give you We give you viewpoints from every angle. That's right. From every I'm sorry angle. they couldn't. I'm sorry they couldn't be here to defend those points. But I just want to make it clear that we are very divided on this. Uh, but I am going to go ahead and and I'm hopping on Brett's train here. I am locking in Ohio State minus eight, and I'm going to talk through vicariously through Chris. Um, I think his rationale for this game is going to be. Yes, Ohio State has had Michigan's number. Yes, this has not been a good game for Jim Harbaugh, but this is also the best Michigan team that Ohio State has had to play in a long time. 
and it's at Michigan. And no, the big house is not a, you know, awful place to play that's deafening loud. It's it's just not. But you can you can picture it in your head, the momentum kind of going for this game, one or two turnovers, the Michigan defense stands strong. Like it makes sense. It's not unheard of for Michigan to win this game outright. But again, even with eight points, uh, I just would feel so much more comfortable rooting for the scarlet and gray in this game than the maize and blue because I, I don't see Michigan's offense having enough firepower to keep up with even a mediocre performance from the Buckeyes. All right, let's move on to our next games, games plural, because we're going to focus on the ACC Atlantic. That has an interesting weekend up ahead. A couple of scenarios that can play out. There's three teams in contention to win the ACC Atlantic, end up in Charlotte to play the Pittsburgh Panthers for the ACC championship. Those three teams are Wake Forest Demon Deacons, who are have the best shot at this, NC State Wolfpack, and the Clemson Tigers, the evil empire of the Mid-Atlantic. So there's a few scenarios to play out here. They're not that complicated. Wake Forest, they play at Boston College. The Demon Deacons are minus four and a half. If they win, they're in. That's it. Scenario number two, NC State, who plays in-state rival UNC this weekend. The Wolfpack are six and a half point favorites in that one. If NC State wins and Wake Forest loses, then NC State will be playing in the championship game. Now, Third case scenario is if Wake Forest and NC State both lose, then Clemson is playing in the ACC championship again. Uh, Clemson plays South Carolina in a non-conference rivalry game. So looking at those scenarios, let's look at some of the odds on DraftKings Sportsbook. The odds of NC State making the ACC championship game would be Moneyline NC State parlayed with Moneyline Boston College. That payout is 285 for Clemson to make the play, to make the ACC championship game. Moneyline UNC and Moneyline Boston College. The payout for that is plus 725. Now, Irby, we were talking about some futures earlier as well to win the ACC. Why don't you just throw those in there so we can complicate the listeners even more? Yes. So right now, Pittsburgh is the ACC favorite at minus 175 these atlantic teams have some pretty solid odds here you've got wake forest at plus 250 not the best value i probably wouldn't throw a bet at that unless you were really really confident about it but nc state all they have to do is win and see wake forest lose to a very very unpredictable boston college team and beat Pitt in the acc championship game nc state's odds plus 900 that is a remarkable value. Um, I really, really like NC State as a team. Uh, this podcast has collectively throughout the entire year. We've loved NC State. Um, I think that they could easily pull off the upset against Pitt if given the opportunity. Plus 900 seems like a steal. Now Clemson, their odds are basically double that. They are plus 1,800. If you're really, really just really feeling that NC State and Wake are going to lay some eggs and uh, Clemson's going to win their seventh consecutive ACC championship, then go ahead, throw something at that. 
you might make a lot of money and look a lot smarter than the rest of us. You know, it's it's crazy thinking about plus 900 for NC State because at Boston College might be the toughest matchup Wake Forest could have this week. Phil Drakovich is there. They're playing for something. It is going to be probably miserably cold Thanksgiving weekend in Boston. Uh, I can just see a lot of fumbles with some cold hands on that mesh point right there. Doesn't look good. Boston College has been playing good football since Phil came back. I, in this scenario right now, I think it's such a toss-up pick because just said today, Sam Howell will be playing quarterback for UNC. That line hasn't moved a lot. I think it's gone from seven to six and a half. So not a whole lot of line movement with that announcement, but you're looking at a hobbled Sam Howell, but still Sam Howell will be playing for UNC. I think that parlay of NC State and Boston College at plus 285 could actually be a good bet. I think, you know, you're looking at a game where Boston College has a lot of the, has the home field advantage in that one. And Wake Forest is coming off a game where they were quite frankly exposed by Clemson. And then you're looking at NC State, who I think is the more well-rounded team against North Carolina playing against a beat up quarterback who has done most of his damage this year with his legs. One of the best runners in all of college football this year has been Sam Howell. And if he's a little beat up, he's not going to want to run as much. And I just think, I think NC state in this scenario, making it to the ACC championship game is most likely, but uh, I mean, how mad would people be if Clemson made it to the ACC championship again? Oh, absolutely furious. I mean, for this to be their worst year and, practically a decade and they still find a way to possibly steal their seventh ACC championship game in a row would just be absurd, man. It's, it's going to be a wild finish. So if we're making a pick who wins the ACC Atlantic, who shows up in Charlotte to play the Pitt Panthers, who's your pick? Gosh, this is tough. I mean, when I was looking at these odds, certainly the NC state plus 900 odd to win the ACC as a whole, was definitely the one that stood out. Um, I really, really like Wake. I'm sorry. I really like Boston College against Wake. Um, not enough people are talking about Pat Garwo the third, the running back from Boston College. He's 20 yards away from a thousand on the year. He has had a very successful year for Boston College. Wake doesn't stop the run. They let Clemson, who has had one of the worst rushing attacks in the country, rush for over 300 yards against them last week. Um, so I like Boston College there. I think that helps Jerkovic get comfortable. But you know what? I'm starting to like the idea of UNC pulling off this upset on the road. I really am. Um, Sam Howell being healthy, I think that, that that makes a world of a difference. I think that UNC likes to play spoiler. Um, that plus 725 parlay here with the UNC and Boston College money line. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm going to bet it, but I don't hate it. You know what? I, yeah, I see. I see that right there. I just think NC state defensively will be able to hold their own enough against UNC to be able to score on them. One thing with wake forest, Boston college, you look at this wake forest team since, uh, since they were ranked in the top 10 after beating Duke 45 to seven, they are one and two with a point differential of minus 21. Their one win coming against NC State, 
However, that game is a game where NC State outplayed the Demon Deacons. It was just mistakes on the Wolfpack's part, especially with penalties, that really hurt them in that game. So right, right. I, I, I'm having trouble envisioning Wake... I, I have trouble with Wake Forest going and beating Boston College. I really like the Eagles in that game. I think it's a toss-up between NC State and UNC, and if I'm getting plus 285 and I get a toss-up in there... I like it. So I'm going to go with NC State. And although I think Pittsburgh is the better team, plus 900, throw something on that. If you lose, you lose. Uh, you know, I think that's that's worth it. That's absolutely worth it. Absolutely. And I will say, um, as much as, you know, I maybe like the idea of Clemson um you know, kind of falling backwards into the ACC championship game. I don't like the matchup with Pittsburgh. Um, that already worked out for them poorly the first time. Did not go well. I don't, I, I think Clemson has improved since that day, but I don't think they've improved enough. Um, especially offensively. I, I really don't see them getting enough going in the running game through Shipley and Kobe pace, who I think are two very good running backs, but they're just not able to create the holes for them. And, that's kind of what you got to do against Pittsburgh. You got to run the ball well because they, they're airtight defensively and Kenny Pickett's going to pick you apart. He just is. Um, so I would, in that scenario, I would like Pittsburgh. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I, I agree with you. I think I like Pittsburgh actually in all three of the matchups. Um, Pitt's been playing phenomenal this year. They lost by three to Western Michigan in a flute game that they win 99 of 100 times. And they lost by four to Miami. And we saw, Hokie fans saw what Tyler Van Dyke can do. And that's a big play offense from Miami. And it just caught Pitt too many times. So, yeah, it's an interesting, interesting scenario. Let's keep it in the ACC. We got to talk about it. It's part of our job description. As always. The Commonwealth Cup. The Virginia Cavaliers are hosting the Virginia Tech Hokies. The Hokies are seven-point underdogs. Don't think I know of a time uh, when the Hokies were that big of underdogs against UVA. It's been a long time, but can't blame Vegas. Can't blame Vegas. Uh, UVA is 6-5 and five on the year. The Hokies are 5-6. and six. Hokies need a win to make a bowl game. Just some against the spread numbers before we get started in some more in-depth conversation. The Hokies are 4-1 and one against the spread in their last five against UVA, but however, the Hokies are 2-8 and eight against the spread in their last 10 road games. We talked about it last week, how the Hokies have not been a good team on the road. It continued last week. They did not cover the spread. They lost by 12 in the rain to Miami. But although I think anybody who watched that game, Virginia Tech actually played a pretty good game outside of just letting up two, a few too many big plays to Miami deep in the passing game. On the other side, UVA has been a pretty good team against the spread. They're five and two in their last seven and 16 and three straight up in their last 19 home games. Scott Stadium has been a friendly place to the Virginia Cavaliers. So, I mean, let's get it started here. We'll start with this. Do the Hokies have a chance to win this game? I think they do. I really think they do. I think that if you listen to the chatter around this game, um, and as well as you look at the Vegas line, this line started at UVA minus eight. Um, people are really, really high on the Cavs here. And I think that a lot of that has to do with Brendan Armstrong putting up these just insane numbers, right? 
I mean, he's basically throwing over 400 yards every game and he's got some really, really solid targets in Woods and Wicks and Kemp. But Sam, you and I were talking about this offline. Aside from the passing game, UNC, I'm sorry, UVA, not UNC, UVA lacks severely in every other phase of the game. They don't run the ball well. Their offensive line does not protect Brendan Armstrong well. They don't play defense. In fact, they are third from last in the ACC in scoring defense behind Georgia Tech or ahead of Georgia Tech and Duke, two teams that Virginia Tech has beaten. And they don't even have good special teams. No. If you look at UVA here, they started six and two, and everyone, you know, was buying into the hype, but they've lost three in a row. And also, there were two weeks in a row with games against Miami and Louisville, where in both games, the opponent had a potential game-winning field goal lined up for a game-winning field goal as time expired in both of those games and both times the opponent missed the field goal. Two made field goals, UVA's four and seven. Yep. They, you know, this I, is I, not as big a mismatch as people think it is. No, I and I, I tweeted it out. I said, you. I, when the spread first came out, I said, Virginia Tech's a more talented team. They haven't put it together. UVA has. And I know you're going to look at the six and five for UVA and say, oh, you're not that good. They played easy teams to start. Yes, those are all true. But this UVA team is, they have an identity. And I think the last time UVA had an identity was the last time UVA beat Virginia Tech. And it's the first time in, in, in basically our lifetimes, Robert, uh, yeah. that they did. And their identity was they had one player, they had their quarterback in Perkins, and he took over the game. Yeah. Armstrong's the same type of player. He can run. He can throw. He is an NFL talent at quarterback. Now, do they have really any running game outside of him? No. Are they good at protecting the passer? As much as they pass, not really. They're horrible defensively. I mean, they are they are atrocious defensively. If you look at them in person and you look at the effort that those guys put on defense, it's like a Texas high school game. No one wants to play defense. They don't want to tackle. They can't I think tackle. They can't tackle. I think easily Tech gets over 200 rushing yards in this game. Easily gets over 200. I think the thing for the Hokies is they tend to have these, you know, just complete and utter collapses on the back end defensively in some games. We saw it last week. You know, the whole defensive tech secondary was clueless the entire game. They never made it down to Miami to play that game. If they play like that, it's over. UVA will win this game by 21, 28 points, and it'll be embarrassing. Yep. I'm telling you. Yep. If Virginia Tech's defensive backs do not come to play, this game is going to get ugly very, very quickly. If they do come to play, they can make it a little tough. And what UVA has struggled with, you know, even with Perkins, no, excuse me, even with Armstrong, is they have struggled when teams have kind of matched them score for score early in the game. So BYU got out to that huge lead. UVA came back. Uh, they ended up giving up 66 points to BYU in that game. Uh, had a bye week, then they played Notre Dame, only scored three against Notre Dame with Jay Wolf like a quarterback. And they looked utterly helpless against Notre Dame in every facet of the game. And they go and they lose to Pitt by 10. 
Uh, they couldn't stop pit. They couldn't stop a nosebleed. It was bad. I don't think there's any reason Virginia Tech can't win this game outright. However, playing the odds and knowing what we know about this Virginia Tech team so far this season, it's really hard to take them in this game on the road against a team that can light up the scoreboard. Because quite frankly, outside of the UNC game to start this year, the Virginia Tech defense has struggled. They, we've, we've had this narrative that, oh, the defense is good. They're good against the pass. You know, Justin Hamilton's got it figured out. It's a decent defensive team. They're really not. They're really not a decent defensive team. And I, I just, I find it difficult to pick Virginia Tech to win this game given what we've seen from them so far. Out of sheer principle, I think I'm going to take the Hokies plus seven, but I, I find it difficult that they'll end up winning this game. I just, I hate the matchup for Tech. Yeah, I think I think it really boils down to two things. Two things that Virginia Tech has unfortunately not done consistently. They have done, but they have not done consistently. Can they find any sort of offense? I don't care whether it's Connor Blumrick passing. I don't care if it's Braxton Burmeister throwing passes. I don't care. Can they score points? And number two, can the secondary play with any sort of gusto and more so probably just awareness? Um, because Tyler Van Dyke shred him apart. He really did. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the year, like, but you look at first game of the year against UNC, Sam Howell, they absolutely locked him down. They locked those UNC receivers down. They've shown that they can do it. Can they do it? I think the reason why I really like Tech in the spread, I'm probably not bold enough to pick them to win the game, but the reason why I also like them in the spread here is I do believe that J.C. Price has created a fire in this program. Um, Yep. I mean, they were down big, big against Miami, and it was going to get ugly. I was prepared to turn the TV off. 28-13 at half. Yep. And, you know, he calls a gutsy onside kick. He he gives a a rip-roaring halftime speech that I'm sure – many movie crews would have loved to have uh, filmed and tech almost came back and won that game. Yeah. I mean, tech in that game, tech at least covers the spread. They might even win if if that fourth down call is stopped. That's not the reason they lost the game, but it was a fact. Really? That was, that was the thing that stopped the momentum for tech because then it was Mm -hmm. a great punt and tech was backed against their own goal line. So that was kind of the moment, but from, the end of the second quarter, throughout the third quarter, Tech was dominating that game. They're on a 17-3 to scoring run. Uh, they end up losing by 12. I think that was the difference in this game. I yeah. think it'll be really difficult for Virginia Tech to keep UVA's receivers locked in for an entire 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. But UVA's defense is bad enough where they've let – They've let teams score on them all year. I mean, they gave up 48 to Pitt, 28 to Notre Dame, 66 to BYU, 40 to Georgia Tech. Those are the last four games. I mean, 40 to Georgia Tech. This defense gave up 40 to Georgia Tech. This team gave up over 100 points in two consecutive weeks. It's not a good team. It is not a good team. For the record, Georgia Tech averages 26 points a game. 
that's two more touchdowns than Georgia Tech averages. Yep. They scored against UVA. Yep. I mean, they are uh it it's sick. I hate it. I absolutely hate that we're having to talk about this. But I, I like the hokey spread. I do not like them outright. Here's as I sit here and think about this a little bit more. Here's why I'm going to officially predict Tech to cover the spread and also to win the game. Oh, you're going win now. We're going. Win. I am going win. I'm okay. thinking about it more, and it. I yeah, I I was kind of iffy, but I'm I'm hopping on that side of the fence. Last week we saw the Hokies go to Connor Blumrick, and I mean you're basically looking at a glorified tight end playing playing quarterback, right? Yeah, and I don't want to I don't want to stop you too much, but do you think going to Connor Blumrick was more of a well, we're not going to pass in this crap, so we might as well just run the ball and we don't want our guy to get hurt? I think that's part of it. I think that's absolutely part of it, but I think another part of it is also I think if you have a quarterback on the other side that you know when he gets the ball, essentially he can pick you apart. If you just run essentially an option style offense and you just sit on the ball. I think Virginia tech has a chance to have the exact same strategy going into this game and to just keep Brennan Armstrong off the field. Um, I think they want this game to be really, really ugly. I think if you're, if you're a tech coach, you like the under, um, I think tech's going to throw Blumrick out there. Even if he's not the starter, I think you'll see a lot of Blumrick in packages and that sort of thing. They're going to run the ball a lot. They're just going to try and drain the clock, keep Armstrong on the sideline. And I think another factor that really gives me hope um, is when Blumrick needed to pass, sometimes it was really ugly. But you saw guys like Jalen Jones and Dewan Lofton finally make some plays. Lofton especially had his first career touchdown. He made that one crazy catch, that one-handed catch. Um, Tech has some options now at receiver. They're not proven, but I think that I think that I feel confident enough in the game plan here to just to just take the air out of the ball, um, yeah, and and just make it ugly. Yeah, I mean they'll have to they'll have to have the same game plan they had against UNC to start the season. Same thing. I think Tech is better suited for that now because I think their backfield with Malachi Thomas and as Absolutely. well as Blackshear is a better backfield than it was at the beginning of the year. I also think the offensive line is they had, they were really bad against Miami, but before that they had been playing a bit better in the run game. I, I struggle to see it though. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Hey, I, I cannot wait to be proven wrong. Um, I'll pick the Hokies plus seven. I'll do it proudly, but this is a, it's a big game. And then going over the defensive side real quick. Um, it's going to be key. Obviously at Ontavian Wicks, um, Billy Kemp. They're both really phenomenal outside wide receivers for Virginia yeah. tech defending Katayon Thompson and Jelani woods, the tight ends slash fullbacks slash slot receivers slash halfbacks for slash backup quarterback yeah. slash backup quarterback. I mean, they're big bodied guys. They're huge. They can run, they can catch. They're really, really darn good football players. I think they're two of the best football players on that entire team. Mm-hmm. Virginia tech is going to have to match up with those guys. Historically, Virginia tech has done well against really good tight ends. That's been the job of Keyshawn Artis as well as Alan Tisdale. They've done well in those positions guarding the tight end. They'll need efforts like that again in this game. Um, personally, yeah. uh, I don't like calling out certain players, but I, I, you know, I, I think I'd rather see Artis at 
I, I need to see Keyshawn Artis in there. I'll put it that way. I need to see. I Keyshawn mean, he Artis put in good in minutes last week. You yep. know, he plays with fire. He's really athletic. He's big. Yeah. I like and him I, out there. And I think they need that. I think if you're tech, you're saying all the big bodied fast guys, we can get on the field because that's what creates the mismatch in this game is Virginia tech can put 11 out there. That's just bigger, faster, stronger than UVA can. Do they use it correctly is the next question, but they have to be able to capitalize on that size and strength and speed. Yeah. I think another thing is Shamari Connor. Um, how Hamilton decides to use Shamari Connor can be the key to it all because Shamari Connor in pass coverage, that's not his strong suit. Where Shamari Connor is at his best is when he's coming in on a blitz and he's um, trying to make havoc in the backfield, whether um, you know, trying to sack the quarterback or trying to stop the run. If they can find a way to scheme up Connor um, to play him up and move him into the backfield, I think that that can really create some issues because he he's so fast, he's so athletic, he can get by a pretty weak offensive line. Yeah, and Tay Daly will be back for this game because his targeting was in the first half of the game against Miami. So Tay Daly will be that's right. I was going to ask starting this game. I think that'll be big for tech because he's been a bit better in pass um, in pass defense than uh, Keontae, Tom, um, excuse me, Keontae Jenkins is a lot of names going around at this point. And it's late. It's nine, 10, 20 minutes from tip off uh, a little bit of a, a post-mortem prediction, Virginia tech plus three neutral side against Memphis Tigers tonight. Uh, I, Let's see, you how, want me let's to see pick how smart this. you look. You do want me to pick this? Because I can't. Oh, gosh. I mean, you basically, it's like the two greatest conflicting styles of basketball mm-hmm. in college you could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's a chance that Tech comes out here as the experienced bunch that just, you know, really uh, exemplifies Memphis's youth. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, those dudes are athletic. They're good. Yeah. Monty Bates. I don't think tech wins when you're looking at basketball game, it's usually good to go with the team that will have two top. We'll have at at least two lottery picks in the next draft. Right. Well, I did figure out that Amani Bates is not eligible for the 2022 draft because because he's still, he's still 17 years old. He's a child. Yes. You have to turn 19 at some point during the same calendar year as the draft. And he won't turn 19 until January of 2023. So he won't be eligible till the 2023 draft. So you basically Memphis could have a top five pick in this year's draft and a top five pick in next year's. Yeah. I'm going to go Memphis. I think tech puts <laughs> game. I think they hang in there. I think they look like they belong, but at the end of the day, three points is not enough for me. If it was six, if it was seven, I'd like the Hokies there, but three is not enough for me. I hope we look like idiots when this is posted. That I really do. That would be great. I would love to, be, I would love to be wrong. Uh, yep. Well, um, I guess we'll round it out. Any any games around the country that you'll be watching, um, whether it be on Thanksgiving, the Egg Bowl, or games around the country this weekend that you got your eye on? You know, I've been really going back and forth on this uh, South Carolina Clemson line. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to, sorry, I'm trying to find it now. I think it's close to Clemson eleven and a half, something like that. I've seen it eleven. I've seen anywhere between eleven and twelve. Yes, it's Clemson minus eleven and a half on the road. South Carolina has been very good at home. They like to really make games ugly. That's how they win. They don't really have a great offense. Their quarterback situation has been pretty uh, topsy-turvy, to say the least. Mm -hmm. But I think I like Clemson to get it done here by about two touchdowns. Uh, I'll go against you. I like USC East. Um, I think 11.5 is too much. I think they're playing really good. 
I I think Clemson wins the game. I think Clemson wins it by eight, nine, ten, but I just think eleven. Okay. I think eleven's just a bit too much. It's also not a football number. I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like that. It's not a football number. Some other games I like. Uh, I mean, I've been fading Nebraska all year. I'm finally going to go with Nebraska. I think they beat Iowa outright. Really? In that game. Yep, I do. Um, if we go to the Apple Cup, Washington, Washington State, I think Washington wins that game. I think they're just a better team. Um, I'm kind of playing a dangerous game, teetering with Washington, betting with them, betting against them. I'm going to go with Washington in that one. And then just kind of scrolling down the list, um, I, I think a sneaky one might be LSU playing Texas a okay. and I think LSU could could keep that game closer than the experts think. Okay. I will say with that Nebraska line, keep in mind, this is a 3-7 and seven team favored against a 9-2 and two conference opponent. Yep. Isn't that wild just to think about? I mean, that's Big Ten West football. Or sorry, three and eight, not three and seven. Whatever they are. Even worse. Yeah. And whatever they but, are. But you're right. I think I actually do like Nebraska here. I just think, I mean, Iowa, they'll just fold down the stretch, I think. But another game I really like, um, I really love, this might be my non-locks slate lock, is uh, Syracuse plus 13 against Pitt. Ooh. Weird stuff happens in that dome, man. Mm-hmm. Weird Pitt's stuff. Not for anything, Pitt has nothing to play for. Syracuse, they're trying to make a bowl game. Do you sit Kenny Pickett? Somebody needs to get experience. They really might, honestly. I would. I, I, I think they I was, sit Kenny Pickett, and that line, the money line for Syracuse plus four hundred. That's really tempting. I would sit Pickett. I would sit Jordan Addison. I'd yeah. I'd play for the future in that one. Um, keeping it in the Big Ten West, though, battle for Paul, battle for Paul Bunyan's axe. I like the Gophers outright in that game against Wisconsin. Gophers have been a hit and miss team this year. Wisconsin, they've been playing really good football. They're looking really good. Nope, rivalry game. Minnesota catches them in that one. All right, that'll wrap it up I, for us. Oh, you got one. I got more? one more. Got, got one, one more. more. Hit me with You're it. gonna love this one, Sam. It's a 10:30 p.m. kickoff on oh, Saturday night. Yes. BYU minus seven at USC West. Oh, USC is bad. USC I mean, is bad. They're a dumpster fire. BYU has played really well. They're looking to go five and zero against the Pac-12, be the uh, de facto Pac-12 champions. Uh, I I really like BYU in this one, and I like them to win big, even though it's on the road. That's an interesting one. Again, USC they're not playing for anything with the loss against UCLA. Um, actually, no, I take that back. USC has a game next weekend against Cal. It what? was canceled due to a COVID outbreak within the Cal football program. They will play Cal next mm. week. So USC, they need to win this one, and then they need to be Cal, and then they could get to a bowl game. Similarly, Cal is playing UCLA at 1030. That game is on FS1. Cal yeah. needs to beat UCLA and then beat USC. So mm. we could have next week, Late at night, a game between five and six USC and five and six Cal playing at night to go to a bowl game. Is that not incredibly sick and nasty? 
Oh, that's disgusting. I mean, I don't think it'll happen because another thing I forgot to mention is BYU is also playing for probably a pretty decent shot at a, a New Year's six New Year's six bowl. Um, yeah, yep. I'd and say ten and two gets that's, in there. That's got to be some motivation because it's basically them and UTSA fighting for that last spot. I'd watch that game. Yeah, all day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. one more. Sorry, I keep having one more, but the very last one I'm going to throw out here, and I'm interested I'm interested your thoughts because we have two five and six teams playing each other: Maryland and Rutgers. Nooner, Maryland minus one and a half on the road at Rutgers. Winner makes a bowl. You know, I like Maryland in that one simply because Rutgers just looks so inept offensively. I know they played Penn State last week. I know it was an early mm-hmm. game, but they just looked so bad offensively. They can't run. They can't pass. They have trouble getting the plays in still. I think Maryland wins that game, and we go into the offseason still thinking, oh, Maryland's getting better. Maryland, what are they doing in Maryland? They're recruiting <laughs> well. They, yeah. And then they go, they win between five and seven games from now until the rest of time. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I picked at the at the very beginning of the year in our uh, national podcast. I I said that Maryland over five wins was like a dark horse pick for me, so I got to stick with that. I'm with you, Sam. I think I, that they win the game and make a bowl. I'm. You know what? Actually, okay. I'm I'm gonna flip. I'm gonna flip that. I'm gonna flip that. I'm going to go Rutgers. I'm going to flip it and go Rutgers. Um, I'm going to flip it and go Rutgers because, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go Rutgers. On the Shiano train? Yeah, um, it being at Rutgers and um, Maryland's lost four out of five. Their only win coming by three points against a god-awful Indiana team. Um, I think mentally Rutgers is going to be more up for that game than Maryland will be. So I think that's what does it. That's fair. They are kind of limping their way down the stretch. They started like five and two and now they're five and six. Maryland, yep. that is. So, um, yeah. And I get one and a half points. Yep. Yep. Give me the Scarlet Knights. Mm. Going on the card. I feel Spicy. confident in it. I feel great in it, Robert. You can't tell. Please great. just please don't watch that football game. Um, Spend some time with family. Do something else. Don't watch. It's a nooner. It's a nooner. You've hmm. got, I mean, you've got Ohio State, Michigan. You've got Florida State, Florida, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Texas Tech, Baylor, Wake Forest, Boston College. All those games are happening also at noon. Please, please don't watch okay, Maryland I Rutgers. Watch. I won't watch it. <laughs> Heck, watch Army Liberty. I don't care. Just don't watch Maryland oh, Rutgers. Uh, shout out Hugh Freeze, making a lot of money. Yeah, good for you, man. All right. Thank you for not coming here. Thank you. We'll have that podcast soon enough. Next week, we will be back with conference championship game predictions against the spread. Have some national championship talk on that podcast, some potential bowl games, and maybe even some head coaching news. That'll do it for Lock Saturday this week. Robert, sign us off. Go Hokies.